book of Colossians, the third chapter. I'm going to start with the first verse. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. I feel like that's all that I need to read tonight. And uh, I guess if we was going to take a thought, it's going to be out of this third verse where it says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. I got to thinking this week, and got to thinking about this hour of service, and I just got to thinking about a hiding place. And uh, lots of men and different ones in the past have always tried to hide themselves from God. And You know, when we begin to get under conviction and we begin to realize that we're sinners, it's easy for us to want to run and hide. Don't want nobody to know that it's us that's in trouble. Don't want nobody to know that we are guilty. But I want you to know that you can hide tonight from your mom and daddy. You can hide tonight from this preacher. You might can hide tonight from the church. But I want you to know that you're not going to hide from God. You're never going to be able to hide from the big mighty hand of God. And I want to tell you tonight that you need to be hid with Christ in God. We can find all the way back to the beginning of the Bible where, you know, Adam and Eve, they transgressed against the law of God. And, you know, I've often thought about Adam and Eve and thought, you know, why did they fall? They had one rule. We've got an entire Bible worth of rules and they had just one rule. But you know, the nature of man truly is that depraved that even one rule, one commandment given by God, it's hard for the nature of man to follow those things and you know, God had given them everything that they possibly could have wanted over there in the Garden of Eden. They had every amount of fruit that they could want. They had all the vegetables they could want. There was four rivers that ran into that place with cool water. And they had everything provided to them that God could give them. He even gave Adam a helpmate over there so that he wouldn't have to be alone. That way he'd have companionship here on earth and he had a walk with God. You would think in a perfect land like that in a perfect state without sin that man wouldn't want anything else but oh there was a serpent over there and it was more subtle than any beast of the field and it begins to come to them and says I know that God has given you one commandment that if you eat of the tree of life or they excuse me, the tree of knowledge of good and evil then you shall surely die but he says you're not going to die he said in fact if you eat that the reason that God's trying to keep you away from it is because God's trying to keep something back from you. He knows that in the moment that you eat that, you shall become like God and your eyes shall be opened. That was all that it took to spark the imagination and the wickedness in man's heart. To say, oh, I'm missing out on something. There's something else that's greater than the plan that God has for my life. And you know, all it took was just that little prompting from the devil and they fell and ate of that tree. And you know, it says in that moment that they did not die naturally, but they died a spiritual death. Their eyes were open to the fact that they were naked. They had never known that they were naked before because they did not really know the difference between right and wrong. But their eyes had been opened and they began to try 
try to hide themselves. They knew that in the cool of the day, God was going to walk and God was going to find them. And you know, I'm glad that it's conviction that a sinner gets and it's conviction that a sinner needs. Even in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve fell under conviction. When God begins to say, Adam, Adam, wherefore art thou, Adam? And he was hiding himself among the leaves and among the things that he had tried to sow and hide himself behind. But there's no hiding with God. And I want you to know tonight that you might try to hide behind works. You might try to hide behind a good name. You might try to hide behind the fact that you've always been brought to church. But there's no hiding from God. When it's your time to be lost and He speaks to your heart, there's no hiding from God. This preacher's not the one that brings conviction, but it's the mighty hand of God that begins to talk to the heart. And there's a change that takes place. On the inside. And I, you know, I, I was thinking about that fear and that condemnation and that trouble. And I said last night that conviction does not feel like a blessing, but it is a blessing. It's a blessing that God would even give us an opportunity to realize that we've messed up, to realize that we've sinned, to open the door and the path to salvation, that His Spirit would begin to grow. Without it, we're helpless tonight. And these sinners need conviction. And Oh, I'm praying that God would begin to reveal some things to you and that you try to stop hiding where you are but that God would make His presence known. And you know, they tried to hide behind things that they could do. They tried to hide behind what they sewed together. But that was not a good hiding place. Listen, that was not something that was going to cover their sins and the nakedness of their sin. You know what? I'm glad today that the Bible says that salvation is not of works lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. Listen, I want you to know that there's nobody that's ever been able to work their way into heaven. For God is not a respecter of persons. So listen, He's not giving anybody a special opportunity over the next man. Listen, that rich man, when he was burning in hell, realized when no special way will be right for him. He just asked, would you send back Lazarus to talk to my brothers? What did the Bible say? He has Moses and the prophets. Hear them. And you know, I want you to know tonight, sinner friend, that there's no special way that's going to be made for you. You can hide behind your works. You can hide behind your name. But that's not a good hiding place. You know what God did over there in the Garden of Eden to begin to set forth the plan for all time and all eternity? It says that He took and He killed an animal. Shed the blood of an animal all the way back in the Garden of Eden to cover the sins of man. He took the skins off of those animals, made them coats, and that's what they were able to hide behind. They couldn't hide behind their works, but they must hide behind the blood. Listen, it's 6,000 years later, but the plan has not changed. God has not changed. And if you're going to hide tonight from the wrath of God that is to come, you still must be hid behind the blood tonight. There is no other hiding place. I know that God is a God of mercy. 
I know that God is a God of love, but there does come a time that His mercy will run out. And listen, I'm afraid tonight that we're very near the judgment. I'm afraid tonight that planet Earth's time is about to be wrapped up. And I want you to know tonight that it's no small thing to stand in front of the judgment of God. It's no small thing to go to the great white throne. For listen, the Bible says that when it's time for judgment, that heaven and earth flee away. You know that's poetic language. And that poetic language, I understand that they're burned up, but the poetic language that's used right there that it flees away, it makes us know that even heaven and earth is afraid of the wrath of God on the day of judgment. David, a man after God's own heart, said it's a fearful thing to fall there. Well, he says, I tremble when I consider thy judgment. The Bible says that it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands there's coming a day that God's mercy will run out and it's going to matter what you're hiding behind in that day you know over there as the end of time begins to come and it says as the, as the mountains roll together and the sky rolls together like a scroll and the one that's riding that great cloud that's coming in power and honor and glory it says the mighty men and the free men and the bond men everybody that's on planet earth will begin to tremble at the power of God and it says they begin to run to the rocks and the mountains and say hide us from the face of him that's coming for the great and terrible day of his wrath is here and who shall be able to stand who's going to be able to stand in the judgment one day after a while who's going to be able to face the wrath of God it's those that's hid with Christ in God works will not do it for you that day You know, I've heard even saved people say, oh, I'm not afraid of the judgment. I'm very afraid of the judgment, Benji. It's one of my greatest fears. I don't want to have to face the Lord one day and Him tell me if you would have been X, Y, and Z that this one wouldn't be burning in hell. I don't want blood on my hands. I don't want the works that I've done in the flesh to be tried in that fire and watch Him burn up in front of me. I want to do something for God while I'm here on planet Earth. Listen, I'm glad that my life is hid with Christ and God. But there's somebody in this place tonight that needs that same kind of place. Oh, you can hide behind everything that you've done. And listen, you might be trying to hide tonight the fact that you're lost. But listen, if you're lost and you know you're lost, listen, it don't matter if anybody else in this building knows it. If you're lost and you die, you'll still go to hell. It don't matter if the preacher knows. It don't matter if mom and daddy knows. You think that you're hiding. But can I tell you at the judgment, there's some books that's going to be open. And one of those books is the Lamb's Book of life, and whosoever was not found written therein was cast into the lake of fire to burn forever and ever and ever. And you know, you might say, Oh, I hid behind the fact that they didn't know. 
That's no hiding place tonight. There's a perfect record that's kept in heaven of everything that's happening on planet earth right this moment. There's a perfect record that's kept in heaven of all the times that you've spurned and turned away the Spirit of God. But can I tell you that God has offered a solution. God has offered a plan. He's offered a way that you can have something to hide behind on that great and terrible day of His wrath. Oh, I know that we don't like to talk about the wrath of God, but the wrath of God is a real possibility. It's a real problem that an unbelieving world full of sinners is going to face one day. And yes, God is a God of love. And He loves us today. But you read the first chapter of the book of Proverbs. You read the second chapter of the book of Psalms. You know, there's about four times that I know of, at least in the Bible, most of them's in Proverbs or Psalms, where it says that God laughs. And you know, when God laughs at something, it's really not funny. You and I laugh at jokes. You and I, but when God laughs, it's not funny. It's a sign of judgment. It's a sign of condemnation. It's damnation to the sinner that he laughs. He says that when your calamity comes on that great and final day, when you beg and say, I wish I would have just had more time, it says that God Himself will laugh at that calamity. Can you imagine standing at the judgment seat of Christ and giving an account for all that you've done. Standing there knowing in the house of God tonight that you're under condition. Knowing that there's a plan that was in place and precious blood that had been shed. And I did nothing about it. Can you imagine all the sinners that's in this land and in this nation that openly spit and mock in the face of God? They think that they've become wise, but professing themselves wise, they've become fools. For it's the fool that says in their heart that there is no God. It's the fool that does these things in life that thinks that their sin's not going to find them out. They might be laughing in the face of God today, but God's going to have the last life at the day of judgment and the last thing that you'll ever hear as you leave the judgment throne of God is Him laughing at your calamity to burn forever and ever and ever and ever. You say that doesn't sound like a loving God. It is. He is a loving God. He's made a way today. He's made a better hiding place than anything in the universe that you could have hid behind. We find Scripture after Scripture about people that's hid their lives and their hearts in God and trusted in Him. And when trouble comes to their house, listen, they hid in the right place. And then the devil comes and when death comes, they were safe. There's some hiding places that ain't safe tonight, brothers and sisters. Religion's not a safe hiding place. I don't care how many Baptist churches that you attend. I don't care who baptizes you. I don't care how many creeds that you believe, how many cataclysm classes that you've attended. Religion's not a safe place to hide. For listen, it's not your membership at a church that's going to get you there. That's still a work. Listen, baptism is the answer of a good conscience towards God. But it's still a work. It's one of the first works that a Christian should commit. But I want you to know that that's not what gets man there. And you might be hiding behind the fact that you was dumped in a pool of water. You might be hiding behind the fact that you was raised in church your whole life. But religion's not a good hiding place. 
Because it's not the hiding place that God has ordained to hide in in the day of trouble. You know, you can go all the way back here and He shed blood there, the blood of those animals. After given conviction, blood was shed and they were covered from their nakedness. They could hide at that point because they had believed the plan that God had made. You know, I'm so glad that God is the best hiding place that man ever had. He's the greatest thing to, to the grain of the terrible day of His wrath is upon us. Who shall be able to stand? You know that lets me know that there are some that can stand. It doesn't say we're all going to die. We're all going to burn. There's some that's going to be able to stand because they're hiding behind Jesus in that precious day. And I'm glad it's the safest place in the universe. He's my fortress. He's my strong tower. He's my help in a day of trouble. Lead me to that rock that's higher than I. I want you to know that you need to run to Christ tonight. There's no other hope that man has. The blood is still available for all mankind. It's free and clear. If you'll only go and surrender everything that you've got, you can be saved. You know, the Bible teaches us that without faith, I gave this instruction last night. The Bible teaches us without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, it also tells us that if we approach God, that we must believe, first of all, that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. You know what the reward of faith has always been? It's been favor with God. I mean, Abraham put his faith and his trust in God. God made His covenant with him. He put his faith and his trust in God on the day that he was going to sacrifice Isaac. He made a covenant with him. There's so many people that's put their faith and their trust in the mighty hands of God. And God has not failed them. Your flesh will fail you. Your works will fail you. Everything that you love and hold dear on planet earth, the very elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. They will fail you. You know who's never failed not one time in that Bible? God. You know who's never fallen at one time in that Bible if they've truly been hid in Christ? Nobody. I mean, you can see place after place in Scripture where men have hid their lives in God. You know, I was thinking about Moses. And can I just stop and just kind of change gears for just a minute? And you parents, my heart's with you tonight. I mean, you've, got, you've had some kids that's been lost for several years. I've helped in four meetings in the last three years. And mom and daddy, I know that you've got to be tired. I know that you've got to be frustrated wondering why is my kid not getting saved? But can I tell you, if you'll just take them in prayer to Christ, if you'll hide them away and give them over, I believe that God still can do a work in this place. Just because they've been lost for three and four and five and ten years don't mean that it's too late for them. The judgment's not yet. The trumpet's not sounded. His grace and His blood are still available. And listen, we need to take our kids in our prayer closet and hide them away with God. You know, there was a man that experienced 
hiding with God so many times in his life, Moses. And as I was looking back at Moses' life, Moses' life started. The first time that we hear of Moses is actually when we're hearing of Moses' mother. You see, Pharaoh was upset about how fast the children of Israel's numbers were growing. He wanted to begin to kill some of those children as they were born. And you study history. You think about this. When they would kill those children in those days, they would either kill them first and then throw them into the Nile River or they would just throw them into the Nile River and let them drown. And it was a free buffet for crocodiles and alligators. And I know that sounds harsh, but it's history. That's where the alligators fed on the children of Israel. Them alligators' bellies got fat for a lot of time off of the meat to the people of God. But you know, when you begin to read about Moses and you read about Moses' mother in that chapter of the book of Hebrews, it said she regarded not Pharaoh nor his commandment in her heart. She had done hid her life with God. She believed that God was stronger than any enemy that there was. And she loved her baby enough just to turn him over to God. She knew, I might not be able to keep him. I might not be able to do nothing with him. But if I put him in the hands of God, God will not fail. Mamas and daddy, God's not going to fail you if you turn your children over and just let him have his way You know what happened to Moses over there in that basket? I mean, she prepared a little basket, pitched it with slime within and without, made it waterproof. And she put little Moses down in that basket and where did she float Moses? She floated him down the Nile River. I mean, listen, them alligators and them crocodiles knew what the cry of a baby sounded like. They knew what the Hebrew children tasted and smelled like. And she put him right in the midst of that trouble. Right in the midst of that danger. But she prayed a prayer with faith in her heart and said, Lord, if I just let him go, I believe you'll wrap your hands around him. And I believe that supernaturally the power of God made little Moses not even cry. I don't believe he cried a peep in that basket. You know why? He was safe because his mother had hid him away with God and even floating down Alligator Alley knowing that death could be imminent to him. God still delivered Moses in those days. And he's not going to fail you if you just turn your children over to him. I mean, listen, Moses just happened to come to Pharaoh's car. And she picks him up and she says, this is one of those Hebrew children. You know how much God cares about you and cares about yours? Listen, when she sees that this is a baby, she's not, she ain't had a baby, she can't nurse. She said, call for one of the Hebrew children that they'll nurse this baby. You know who nursed Moses? His natural born And for those precious few years. <laughs> she got to stay with him and teach him, you're a Hebrew. You're a man of God. You're not like these Egyptians. She learned very quickly in her life that I just let him go and let God have his way. He'll take care of them. I believe that tonight with my whole heart, mamas and daddies, he's going to take care of them. So we just kind of let them go. I know it seems like alligators and crocodiles are around. I know it seems like there's no hope. But God specializes in making a way when there is no way. I mean, you hide them in Him. Turn them over to the Lord. And I want you to know tonight that He will not fail. 
Moses had great things that he needed to accomplish for God. And Moses saw the glory of God. You know, there's a place in Exodus where Moses, he asked, God, can I see your glory? And this blessed the time out of me several years ago when I began to study about this. You see, in that day, Moses was not able to see the glory of God on his own. It would not work. He said, no man's ever beheld my face and lived. But he said, but Moses, if you want to see my glory... He said, there's a place by me. (laughs) He said, there's a place by me. And he says, I'll hide you in the cliff of the rock. And he said, and when I pass by, I'll put my hands over you. And when I pass by, I'll take them off. And you can see my hind parts. You know that word cliff is the only time that it's used in the Bible. And you know, we might think, oh, that's an English translation error. It's cleft. No, there's a difference in those root words right there. You know, a cleft of a rock is a fissure or a crack. But a cleft of a rock is a pierce or a wounded rock. You know, when Moses needed to see the glory of God that day, he said, there's a place by me. He said, it's been pierced and wounded. He said, you want to see my glory? He said, hide in that rock. Hide in that rock. And it's no different today. The Savior is still the best hiding place that man has. You're not going to see heaven without it. You're not going to see the glory of God without it. No man comes to the Father but by Jesus. There's a place that's by Him. And Moses was able to hide that day and see the glory of God. You know that plan is precious to me, brothers and sisters. And listen, I couldn't have wrote no better plan myself. It's magnificent and wonderful blood that was shed at Calvary. That's the hope of all generations. And it still has power. It still exonerates and forgives sin. And I'm glad that it's still in existence and available today for sinners. If you'll just hide yourself in Christ. You know, I was thinking about Rahab. She was a little harlot woman. And you know, after Moses had died and Joshua had taken over as the leader of Israel, there was two obstacles that were standing in their way for getting into the promised land. It was the Jordan River and the strong-walled city of Jericho. And you know about chapter 2 of the book of Joshua? Joshua sends spies into the land to see if they can even overtake Jericho. Well, they hear that the spies are in the land and it says that the men of the city begin to seek them out. You know there was a little harlot woman. I mean, she ain't somebody that's of a good reputation. She wasn't somebody that had a good name. In fact, her life had been nothing but filth and nasty in the sight of a holy God. But she could see that destruction was was coming. She could see that her city was about to fall. She could see that the children of God were coming and there was no other way for them to escape for she had heard of their victories over and over and over out there in the wilderness. And you know what she decided she'd do? She said, we can't be these We might as well just join up with them and hide amongst them. And you know over there... That those those uh, spies were in the land and they were the the others were hot on their trail and listen Rahab hid them in her house. And you can read the story in Joshua 2 if you want to read the whole story. But she hid them in her house. And you know, because she was willing to hide them, they said, we're willing to hide you. And you know, they, she, they asked, because of this kindness that you've shown to us, they said, what do you want in return? You know what she asked for in that day? 
She wanted to be saved before the city fell. She said, just get me and my house out of here. Before the sword falls and before the fire burns, before the hand of God and the judgment of God falls on this place, uh, she said, get us out of here. You know what was a blessing? And it was the covenant that they made with her. They said, your life for ours. Our life for yours. They said, if you'll keep this red cord, this red thread, that was the rope that she let them down off of the roof in the story. They said, when the destruction comes, if you'll just hang this in your window, you and anybody that's hiding behind this red cord, will be safe when the sword falls. But they said, if you're not, and you have family that's outside of the protection of this red cord, they said, when we come, they'll die like the rest of them. And you know, it's a blessing to me in about Joshua 6, when it begins to talk about how they overthrew the city, there's a precious little band of Hebrew children that had one job and one job alone. It was to go and save Rahab. It was the covenant that was made between her and the people of God. And the sign of that covenant was that And she hid her and her family in that house, knowing that people around her were dying, knowing that people around her weren't going to make it. She hid behind the covenant that was made. And you know what's a blessing? They got her out safe. Her and her family lived. She got to live among the children of God for the rest of her life. And listen, it's no different to today. Hide yourself in Christ. Escape the wrath of God while you can. You'll get to live with the children of God in heaven. One day after a while. It's a blessing. The plan has always been in place. It's always been there. It's it's throughout the Bible over and over and over again. If you'll hide yourself in Christ, you will be saved. You will be saved. What about Moses, this great man that we've mentioned twice now? I mean, there was a dreadful day that came in Egypt before they were able to get out of bondage. There were ten plagues that were put out on that city, and the tenth plague was the worst. And it was in that plague that the firstborn of every house and the firstborn of the cattle was going to die. And you know the the sad part is that the children of Israel could have died in that day. Because listen, without some kind of help, without something in that day, when the death angel comes they weren't going to make it but you know I'm glad that we don't have to fear death as the children of God for listen the Bible says that Christ must reign until he hath put all enemies under his feet and the last enemy that's going to be put under his feet is death you know death is only a reality right now but it's only something to fear for a moment listen it might hurt when you die it might be unpleasant how you go but I want you to know if you're here in Christ with God, death ain't a worry no more because Christ has defeated death. And there his work at Calvary. I preached one night at Monroe about Jesus saying there ain't nobody like him. And death has never encountered anybody like Jesus Christ. There's been people in the Bible that's died and was raised again, but ultimately death got its clutches and its hold on them for all of eternity. 
I mean, listen, you can read. Death is almost given a personality in the Scripture. There's a death angel. And listen, you can read about one of the four riders of the horsemen of the apocalypse. It says that the one that rode that pale horse was death, and hell followed him to destroy a fourth part of the earth. And you know, I want you to know that death is the number one enemy of mankind. It's not the devil. People say that the devil is the number one enemy. No, sir. The devil has worshipers. He has but death is an enemy to every man that's ever lived. And death has been something to fear. But I want you to know that if you're hid with Christ in God, He's already conquered that. You know, in those three days that He was in the grave, death probably thought that He had a hope on Him. And death probably thought that Jesus Christ died like any other man. That there was no hope for Him. But after three days... Jesus in His own power being the Son of God got up and escaped the clutches of death. Death tried with everything that He had to hang on to Him. But Jesus just walked on by. He stole some keys out of His pocket as He was a golden. And listen, if you was to talk to death today, He would have to say that there ain't never been a man like Him. I've defeated everybody that's ever come into contact with me. But oh, I had no power over Him. And I'm glad that if you'll hide your Yourself in Christ, that death is not a fear for the child of God anymore. My Savior's done walked into its clutches. I mean, He's done wrestled it and fought it, and He came out victorious. And listen, because He lives, we'll live. Because He has life, we can have life. And I want you to know that you need to be here on the day that death finds you. You're not going to fight Him on your own, but when you're in the Him on your own. The children of Israel needed help. The death angel was guaranteed to come to Egypt that night. Guaranteed to come that night. And you know there was one hope and one hope alone. It was the blood of the Lamb. And you know what they took? And they slit that little spotless lamb's throat. Got the blood out of it. Says that they ate the lamb. You know, they took hyssop and they put it on the two doorposts and over the, over the door. And you know, the Bible says that when the death angel comes, if they were hiding behind that blood, that their house would be passed over. And you know, I know even as a child of God, sometimes our faith gets weak. And you know, I can imagine the fear that still had to be in the children of Israel's heart, even on that night. Knowing, listen, Moses is an untested leader at this point. Moses is an unproven leader. All they've known is 400 years of bondage. Is this God that we serve really able to deliver us from these plagues? Are we really going to be safe? But there was nothing else they could do. There was no other plan that had been made offered. They had to go with what God said. If they were outside of the blood when the death angel came, they were going to die with no hope and no help. And you know, I'm so glad that as the cry begins to sweep through, I can imagine as mamas were holding their babies. This is it. It's God or nothing. This is it. Death is coming. And as the crowd begins to speak through that land, and they can hear it somewhere way off in the distance, you know, eventually that cry had to get louder. They had to know that the death angel is near. He's coming close to my house. Hide behind the blood. Hide behind the blood. They said, is it really going to be enough? And they hear the cries over here. And then they hear a sweet calm. And then they hear the cries over here. They were hid behind the blood. 
and the death angel passed them over. They were safe. Safe because the blood had kept them in the day of trouble. There's no greater hiding place than man has today. You know, I talked about the judgment just a minute ago. And you know, I'm so glad that man... Really, when you stand before the judgment, heaven and earth is going to flee away. I told you, it's a great and a terrible day that's coming. Heaven and earth is going to flee away. You'll stand in front of God naked with nothing to hide behind in that day. I mean, you'll be... You might can say you're a good person, can't hide behind that. When you're in the presence of a holy God, I mean a thrice holy God that's never committed a sin, as His wrath is being poured out on every valley that's ever been. You'll know. You'll tremble because you'll know that you have no hope in that. But it's not going to be that way for the child of God. You see, the Bible says that we have an advocate with the Father. And I want to say thank God for that. Oh, if I go to the judgment, I have nothing to hide behind. I don't have my works to hide behind. It does not matter that I was a preacher. But can I tell you what happened to me as a 16-year-old boy? God saved my soul on an altar at Sycamore Valley. And that blood that's so precious, that's been so wonderful for all time, was applied to my heart, was applied to my life. And I have a hiding place. We're going to have an advocate with the Father on the day of Ain't that a blessing tonight, brothers and sisters? When the wrath of God is totally poured out on His creation, you won't have to stand there. I, I'm guilty. There's no sense in arguing. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of the death of Jesus Christ. I'm guilty of every sin that I've ever committed. Every idle thought, word, and deed. I am guilty. I can't hide behind that. But you know what Jesus is going to do? <laughs> You will see the glory of God. There's a place by Him. It's a pierced and wounded rock. He'll step up and He'll say, as our lawyer in that day, judge of the universe, God my Father, I know they're guilty, but those sins were covered and they hid hidden behind me. And Your wrath was poured out on me at Calvary so that it cannot be poured out on Him. He was the substitutionary death for you and my sin. You know the Bible says it pleased the Father to bruise Him. That does not mean that God is some sicko that got joy out of His child being killed. That's not the case. But what did it please the Father? The holiness and the wrath of God. It pleased the Father to pour it out on His Son that His Son would become the substitution for you and for me. And we can stand behind that death. We can stand behind the cross. We can stand behind the blood. Because Jesus stood in that camp there at Calvary. And we'll be safe. I mean, there's no safer place to hide than in Jesus Christ. There was a woman that was called in the very act of adultery that found this out for herself. The law said, she was called in the act of adultery. The law said she should die. The law said she was guilty. But they wanted to test Jesus and they asked Him, they said, what do you say? You know what Jesus did in that day when she was being accused just like He'll do it in the day of Christmas? He sat between her and her accusers. She was on the ground broken and guilty. Nothing to hide behind. She was caught. Was she not? Nothing to hide behind. But Jesus steps in between her 
and the wrath of the law. And he writes in the dirt. It does not say what he wrote. He may have wrote grace. He may have wrote love. He may have wrote mercy. He may have wrote some of the commandments. I don't know. But he looks up and stands up for her in the day when she should die. When the guilt and the punishment of the law should have been put on her, he stepped in between. He said, He that's without sin cast the first stone. It said that from the oldest to the youngest that they was convicted in their hearts and they all turned away. And she laid there for a minute. I, I'm sure she just knew she was going to die. Laid there probably with her head covered waiting for the stones to fall. But they never fell. And she looks up and there's nothing there but Jesus. Standing in between her and the punishment that she deserves. And he asked her a question. He said, woman, where am I? She said, there are none. <laughs> and he said, neither do I condemn thee. <laughs> Go and sin no more. She found out that when the punishment of sin should have taken her life, that God was going to advocate for her. There's no safer place for a sinner to hide than in the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no safer place for a man to go than to hide in the blood that was shed at Calvary. I mean, He loves you tonight, sinner friend. He wants to give you an opportunity to be saved. He'll be your advocate and your friend in the day of judgment. I mean, He's a friend that sits closer than a brother. Your mama and daddy and your brother and sister's not going to be able to answer for you at the judgment but he's going to stick by your side closer than they ever could. I mean, listen, he'll advocate for you that day. But something has to happen first. You must be hit with Christ in God. You must be saved. It's a commandment to be born again. You must be born again. That's what he told me to There's no greater hiding place than the precious blood of Jesus. I wish you'd run to him tonight. All destructions come to your way. All troubles come into your house. I wish she'd wise up like Rahab. Rahab, she wasn't a good woman. And when she sings at the judgment, she'll have to say, I was a harlot. But oh, that precious blood that saved her from the day of wrath. I'm glad tonight that if you have yourself in Christ, you will be saved. You need safety tonight. You need peace and freedom tonight. That same scripture in John chapter number 8 where he stood in between that woman and her accusers. He said that the Son shall make you free. He said that the Son therefore shall make you free. You shall be free indeed. Safety. No more pain. No more sorrow. Safe on the other side of the judgment to live with Christ forever. How do you set with Christ in God? It's a necessity in the life of every single human that's ever lived. You need to be safe tonight. Wish you'd come and sit the Lord while we stand and say, The Savior's my hiding place. He can be yours. Run to that rock. Run and run and hide yourself in here. Oh, he'll help you tonight. He won't turn you away. You're surrounded by a great pile of witnesses. He stepped in between the punishment that I deserved. Just like that woman grovelling on the ground. I'm safe. No more accusation for sins. He's covered it all. Justified, glorified, sanctified. Amen tonight. <laughs> you must be good with Christ in God. Why we sing?